Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the prison epistles. Patty Hearst uh, was the, the heiress of a newspaper fortune in, in the 1970s. And really, really interesting story. We can kind of only scratch the surface of it here. Uh, but in 1974, she was kidnapped by uh, an American terrorist organization called the SLA. They, they kidnapped her, held her hostage, and, and demanded $70 million in ransom. But they, they wanted $70 million paid to needy people in California. It was an interesting terrorist group at the time. But um, So, so she's, she's been captured, and there's a ransom demanded. But after a few weeks, something really bizarre happens, uh, where there's video footage of the SLA group robbing banks and and there with a submachine gun strapped around her shoulders participating in the bank robbery is Patty Hearst the, the this millionaire heiress who has become a, a left-wing terrorist and Patty Hearst went on to be part of three bank robberies she was part of and one one woman was killed in one of those bank robberies uh, she shot up, helped shoot up the streets of Los Angeles, was part of a bombing in San Francisco. Uh, she had multiple opportunities to escape, um, but her allegiance over a couple of weeks had radically shifted of being this, this young woman of extreme privilege and fortune to, uh, to now being uh, really a, a left-wing terrorist. And her allegiance had completely changed where she just became a different person. Uh, she was arrested in, in 1975, uh, and she was put in prison. Eventually, her sentence was cut short by a president, uh, which kind of seems crazy. Um, and today, she, she leads sort of the original life in some ways that she started out with, where uh, a life of, of wealth and privilege, and she breeds dogs for shows. And it's almost like none of this ever happened. Uh, it's, it's this really, really captivating story, though, of... Of a, of a change of allegiance after captivity. Uh, and we're going to see, I think there's, there's, there's glimpses of this uh, that we need to see and grapple with uh, as, we, as we start in the book of Colossians. Uh, we're in Colossians chapter 1 here today. Paul is writing to a church uh, in Colossae that he hadn't planted. Uh, that he's never visited, similar to the book of Romans. He'd never uh, met the church in Rome, but instead it was one of Paul's disciples who went and planted the church in Colossae. Uh, this disciple had come and, and given a report of what was going on in this church plant, and, and Paul felt like it was almost like his, his grandchild in some ways. Uh, so he's still in prison in Rome, and he's writing to the church uh, in Colossae. Uh, so starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Uh, a pretty standard greeting that Paul uses to begin his letter, standard greeting in letters at that time. Um, where he's introducing himself and again reminding them that, that he's an apostle not by his own good works, but appointed by God, appointed by God to do this uh, and given God's authority uh, in these things. Uh, verse 3, we always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Uh, again, it's interesting you remember that Paul is in prison, uh, but he spends his time not just praying for his release, he's spending his time in prayer for, for the churches that he's planted and also the other churches, the global churches that other people are planting around the region. He's, he's spending time actively praying for them. 
since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in word, uh, in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. So Epaphras was probably one of Paul's disciples, planted the church uh, in Colossae. Uh, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Um, so the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus, the grace of Jesus has been received and it's beginning to take root in their lives. The Spirit is giving them new hearts and they're beginning to express that in love for each other and for the world. And, and Paul is saying that there's this, this bubbling movement that's going up all around and he's so excited that, that the Spirit has been at work in these churches, these, these young, young churches. And so, from the day we heard, we have not sought, ceased to pray for you, asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Um, what is the knowledge of God's will? We see that in other places in Scripture, and Paul makes it pretty clear, as well as Jesus, that it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, so we have love for God, love for others, and then we see Paul say to the, the Thessalonian church, that it's God's will that you would be sanctified, right? That you'd be cleaned, that we would look more like Him. And so what is the, the will of God? What is this wisdom and understanding? Is, is love for God, love for other, and personal personal sanctification, personal growth. And, and you, can even, you can even understand where that comes out of uh, like Micah in the Old Testament that we, we studied before, right? Of uh, humbly, uh, walking humbly with God, loving justice and mercy. Uh, you sort of see that threefold mandate come out there. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints uh, in light. Uh, so again, he's talking about the inheritance that we have and, and living up to what we've already attained, as we saw in Philippians, that they've been made sons and daughters, and it's living as people who are in the light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Um, that word redemption, uh, the root word there in the Greek actually comes out of ransom. Uh, and so the image that he's painting here would be actually pretty familiar to the audience of his day, less so for us, that, uh, that one nation would go into another, that one group of people would go uh, in and they would, they would conquer another group. And then they would take people back as, as slaves, as captives. And, and the slaves and captives would work in slavery and then slowly be assimilated into the conquering culture, that they would be transformed. Uh, and this is very familiar for both Israel and, and Judah. We see in the Old Testament this happens with uh, the Assyrians, uh, with the Babylonians where they're conquered and people are taken away captive and they're brought as slaves into these new lands and assimilated in, and they intermarry and become part of the, this conquering, uh, part of this conquering culture. But uh, he kind of flips it up on its head. Uh, where Paul says typically what happens is a conquering nation will go in and they'll bring people back as slaves. But what Paul says is that, that Christ ha has achieved victory. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness, so he's conquered us. He's conquered the world and he's brought us back as captives, but captives into freedom. So rather than being brought into slavery, Christ has brought victory and is leading us into freedom. Freedom. 
instead of slavery. Uh, and so he kind of flips this image up on its head. And so he's calling them, because they've been trans- transformed, transferred, that their allegiance would transfer, that you've been, you've been rescued, you've been brought out of slavery, you've been, Jesus has won the victory over the darkness. So now we transfer our allegiance now to Jesus and become citizens of freedom and citizens of the light. Um, theologically, we understand that we are enslaved to the curse of sin, both through uh, Adam and Eve, our, our first parents, and, and their sin, which brought a curse upon us. We're enslaved in this curse of sin in humanity, but also enslaved by our own choices as well. Romans were told that the wages of sin is death, uh, and that is the ransom that must be paid for our sin. Uh, so we are held captive by sin, by the curse of sin, and just as the, the ransom for Patty Hearst was $70 million, pay the $70 million and, and you'll be set free, the wages for our sin is death. Jesus, who took on flesh and became fully human, became our representative. Christ came into flesh, became our representative, and lived a perfect life that we could not live. He became the true and better Adam, who, who avoided the temptation, who conquered the temptation, becoming true and fully man. Also becoming the true and better Israel as well, succeeding where they failed. And he became our perfect representative, who took the ransom, who paid the ransom, the death that we were owed in, in our slavery. He paid that ransom himself on the cross. And as fully God, he was free from the curse, free from the curse on us as humans in order to rise again and to claim victory over both sin and death, to bring a new hope, to bring victory over, over, over the sin that held us captive and over death, which is the final enemy. And in victory, he then leads us into the kingdom of light, as we see here. So we have this imagery of of captivity that Jesus is conquering. And Jesus leads us, those he has ransomed, that he has paid for, leads us into freedom, into light. And our responsibility as those who have been brought in is to transfer our allegiance now to the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of darkness. And our hope is is rooted, this joy is rooted that that in the past that God has rescued us, that we have been redeemed, that the price has been paid for our rescue in the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus himself, that that there is forgiveness, the past is done. And in the present, we now live in in, in the kingdom of the Son, in the kingdom of light, that we, we currently live there now. And in the future, we know that the kingdom is not yet complete, that we, like, uh, like Moses, leading the people through the Red Sea towards the Promised Land, that, that in the resurrection, it's like Jesus has led us through the Red Sea, and now we journey towards the Promised Land someday with him, towards this final kingdom. And so there's hope for the future and the present and the past. And so what does this transfer of allegiance for us mean for those who have been rescued? And I think what Paul is getting at here with the Colossians, this transfer of allegiance means first that we bear fruit in good works. And he's going to call them to that regularly. That that our lives rooted and established in Christ, that we bear fruit, that bear fruit in our lives of joy, of peace, of love, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, 
that that would, would, would work its way out of our lives. There's an expectation of that. It's about growing in the knowledge of God, that we come to a deeper knowledge both of who He is, but also knowledge of Him personally as we know Him. And finally, these lives of worship, we're going to see Paul call the Colossians into being strengthened for suffering and, and giving thanks in all circumstances of giving worship in, in all things. And what we see Paul doing here regularly here in prison is, is continually enjoy worshiping in all things, trusting in, in God's plan, God's sovereignty, God's goodness, uh, worshiping. And so, uh, so there's this transfer that we need to make of our allegiance and how we live, bearing fruit, uh, growing in our knowledge, uh, knowing God, and uh, of worship in all things. Um, and so... That is, uh, that is how we begin the letter to the Colossians, as he's calling them to see that they've been rescued from slavery. They've been, they've been pulled up, but rather than being made captives once again, that we have been brought into liberty. Uh, and, and now it's on us that we transfer our allegiance and live as the people that God has made us. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you. Uh, thank you for sending your Son. We thank you, Jesus, for paying our ransom, for redeeming us out of our slavery and transferring us to your kingdom of light. Help us to live as children of the light. Help us to live as people of your kingdom. Help us to bear fruit. Help us to know you more fully every day. And help us to worship in all circumstances as citizens of the kingdom ambassadors. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Well, hope, uh, hope you have a great day. We'll talk again soon.